Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersena from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. We are into November, and we just saw Halloween go by. Yep, all the little trick-or-treaters were out and about, and the weather was beautiful for it. But now we have a crispness to the air. And as I know that coming here, we look at the fields around, well, we're around the garden center here, and I see that the geese are nestled like little bobbing spots in the fields, and it's nice to see and hear them. Yeah, sometimes they're a little loud. The geese are flying and getting ready to go. It is November. The landscape sleeps in mist from morn till noon, and if the sun looks through, tis with a face, beamless and pale and round, as if the moon, when done the journey of her nightly race, had found him sleeping and supplied his place. For days the shepherds in the fields may be, nor mark a patch of sky blindfold they trace. The plains that seem without a bush or tree, whistling aloud by guests to flocks they cannot see. The timid hare seems half its fear to lose, crouching and sleeping neath its grassy lair, and scarcely startles, though the shepherd goes, close by its home and the dogs barking there. The wild colt only turns to stare at passer, then naps his hide again, and moody crows beside the row forbear. To fly the pelleted but the passing swain, thus day seems turned to night, and tries to wake in vain. The owlet leaves her hiding place at noon, and flaps her gray wings in the doubly light. The horse jay screams to see out so soon. The small birds chirp and startle with affright. Much doth it scare and superstitious wit, who dreams of sorry luck and sore dismay, while cowboys think the day of dream of night, and oft grow fearful on their lonely way, fancying that ghosts may wake and leave their graves by day. Yet but a while the slumbering weather flings its murky prison round, then winds wake loud, with sudden stir and startling force sings winter's returning song, cloud, race cloud, and the horizon throws away its shroud, sweeping a stretching circle from the eye. Storms upon storms in quick succession crowd, and over the sameless of the purple sky, heavens paint with hurried hand, wild hues of every dye. At length it comes along the forest oaks, with sobbing ebbs and uproaring gathering high, the scared horse-raven on its cradle croaks, and stocked-up flocks in hurried terrors fly, while the blue hawks hang over the sky, the hodger hastens from the storm began, to shelter that may keep him dry, the forester's low-bent, the wind to shun, scarce here amid the strife the poacher's muttering gun, the ploughman hears its humming rage begin, and hies for shelter, from his naked toil, buttoning his doublet closer to his chin, he bends and scampers over the elting soil, while clouds above him 
and wild fury boil, and winds drive heavily the beating rain, he turns his back to catch a breath a while, then eked his speed and faces it again, to seek the shepherd's hut beside the rushy plain. The boy scarcely from the spiry wheat, the melancholy crow in hurry weaves, beneath an avid, avid tree his sheltering seat, of rushy flags and sedges tied in sheaves, or from a field of shock and stubble thieves, where he doth dithering seat and entertain, his eyes are marking the storm-driven leaves off spying nests where he spring eggs had taken, and wishing in his heart to a summer-time again. Thus wears the month along the checkered moons, sunshine and shadows, tempest loud and calms, one hour dies silent over the sleepy woods, and next wakes loud in unexpected storms, a dreary nakedness of fields deforms, yet many rural sound and rural sight lives in a village still about the farms, where toil rules uproared hums from the moon, noises in which the ears of industry delight. At length the stir of rural labors till, and industry her care a while forgoes, when winter comes in earnest to fulfill his yearly task, oblique November's close, and stops the plough and hides the fields. When frost locks up the stream in a chill delay, and mellows the hedge of those jetty shoes, for little birds the toilth half come for play, and not but threshers, flails, awake this dreary day. November is here. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. I have to apologize for my voice. I'm a little tired. The elf shoes have been on this gal with our staff helping to convert our, our greenhouse to a beautiful uh, Christmas display. So I have this little bit of a deeper voice, sorry. Um, but it tells us that we're already transitioning. And as we transition, we're also doing our last-minute cleanups in the garden. The weather has given us a tease, and it's sort of saying, okay, is it time to switch? Is it not? Those nice, beautiful uh, temperatures, high temperatures that we've had, has given us that little opportunity to either get out there and get those last little things done. And yeah, we were here too. We're getting our yards all prepped up at the center too as well. Perennials are away. Soon the nursery stock will be nestled in and overwintered. And this brings a conversation to, have you finished cleaning up your garden? There are things that can be done. So or have you opted to not cut down your perennials and let them catch that pools and puddles and I shouldn't say pools and puddles. I'm going to say banks of snow because <laughs> we don't know if it's going to be high or not. But if you leave those perennials up, they will have more of a chance to catch like a wind fence, the extra snow for that insulating factor. Or maybe in those areas that you already know that you have high snow that's already there, you may want to say, you know what, let's get there today, this weekend. It's going to be a little bit milder today. And do a little bit of cutting down and cleaning up. So if we are doing that, just remember, there are some uh, people coming in looking for uh, protective measures for protecting their trees and shrubs, getting those collars on, and also protecting plants. And... I'm kind of sad to say we only have this show and next Saturday show, I think, is our, our last one next Saturday. So the lines are open, 
374-3315. If you're listening and you want to say hi or let people know what you're doing in your garden, or if you want to share a little bit of gardening tips, or if you have a question, give me a call, 1-800-374-3315. If you're from far or close, call. Let's talk about gardening. Hey, we have Glenn on the line. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Carla. Sorry, go ahead. No, go go ahead. So, first-time caller, listen to you occasionally. Question is, growing cherry seedlings from a cherry pit and best way to store apple seeds over the winter and other melon seeds over the winter. Okay, well, thank you for calling. And first-time callers, hey, we're going to grow and learn together. That's good. Um, when you're storing your seeds and your seedlings and that kind of stuff, we, um, you can store your seed if you're going to not plant them, store the seedlings in a cool uh, fridge or, or cooler as cold as you can get it without freezing. And the same thing for our seeds. And I love this conversation because... There are seeds that I carry over from one season to another, and I'm sure there's people that have been foraging for or collecting seeds over their plants this fall. So the best place is in the fridge, uh, in a Ziploc bag, but you want to make sure that you're when you've collected your seed that the seeds are dry. Don't store them if they have any, uh, like I'm saying, if you collected tomato seeds, if they were wet or damp, that will just make a big mess. But dry seeds can be stored in a fridge in a Ziploc bag. They do beautifully. And actually that chilling effect on them when you go to do your seeding, it actually helps to, I find that giving it that chilling effect, it's in like nature. It's, it helps to break that seed open too when it's ready to germinate. Okay, great. And then is it possible to grow a seedling from a cherry pit? Um, you know what? It is a seed, like from a cherry pit, you could probably, because naturally, in my mind, I don't know anyone who's done that, uh, but it is a seed. So just remember, even though it's a seed that goes in the ground, it just may take longer for it to germinate and to break. Uh, it will take longer for it to come to a uh, seedling that's on there because most uh, people nowadays will usually take it from a cutting or a graft or cutting to graft or or cut the tips and then do it that way. Okay. Okay, great. Thanks very much. Yeah, and you know what? If if you're successful with it, you'll have to phone us back and let us know how you did it. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you. You're very have welcome. Great day. Okay, you too. Thank you for calling. And it's it's like that. Like um, I know that uh, grapefruit. Dad used to. Dad and mom. They would save the little grapefruits uh, seedlings and had the little experimentation. I remember the pots of uh, you sitting on the kitchen counter waiting for these little seedlings to break and come up. And they actually got quite a big uh, grapefruit tree at one point, getting it to go. So it's fun. It's experiment. And it's also a great thing for kids to watch too. I love including the next generation on doing things. Uh, it just gives me a little bit of a, 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 a chuckle um, that's in there. My oldest, I love telling you little stories about garden, gardening and going through and how we influence the younger ones. And lo and behold, my oldest granddaughter uh, snaps me a picture about a book that she brought home. And she, I'm a yaya, 
And she said, a day with my yaya. And I'm thinking, okay, what's this book about? So the influence is, the book is, a day with yaya is about spending a day with your grandma foraging for seedlings. So already I have a little sparkle in my eye that I'm setting the tone that she is learning and going to be growing. So there is an influence and growing is the most important thing because when you can grow something, you can grow your own food. Now, the tasks on hand, and I know it's hard to start saying we're talking about gardening in the beginning of November, but gardening extends from outdoors to indoors, our tropical plants, and yes, soon we're going to be bringing in those Christmas trees, so it's a whole gambit of conversation from still getting those things done outside that we need to do. So a couple little tips, get those stakes in the ground before it freezes, because it's probably a little too soon to put the burlap around those uh, cedars, the young cedars, and some of those uh, evergreens that you want to protect against the winter scalding and those winter winds that are on there. But I would definitely get the stakes in the ground because it's hard to tap some wood stakes in the ground when you have frozen soil. And then hold off on the burlap yet, because you do not want to put it on prematurely Because as you create this um, tenting effect that's around your tree, you could delay the dormancy by actually warming things up. You know, it's too soon to put the winter coats on those cedars and that, but it is beneficial, especially if they are younger and they are newly established. And if you're in an area that gets um, a protected area of cedars against a fencing where you get that sun beating on it all winter, those are the effects that cause that winter rusting on your cedars. Someone was in the other day and said, you know, my cedars are 15 years old. Do I still have to keep covering them? No. Once they start getting established, you should not have to shelter them and burlap them. But the most important thing is making sure that on all spruce trees and trees and perennials as well, it's the moisture content in the ground that you want. And I will keep telling you, you're going to go, oh, she's mentioning that again. Well, yes, because I want you to have success and I want those trees to look gorgeous for you in the next season. Those are a little bit of the hints that are in there. And don't forget to, uh, when we were talking about protective measures against uh, animals, rabbits, voles, and yes, the deer population is out there too as well. So getting those tree collars and it's a, it's a minimal cost, you know, it's a, I'm going to say it's a cheaper way of protecting the collar that's on there. If you can get a plastic collar around your young trees, so it guards the trunk from being eaten by the voles and the rabbits. And just again, we don't know how much snow we're going to get. So maybe a collar a little further up the tree is going to be uh, warranted for going on it. Because um, if your snow goes up four feet high, yes, the voles are going to be running underneath the snow. But just remember, that little bunny is going to be on top of the snow. So you want to be able to protect those areas as well. All right, that's it. And the other thing is, where um, there is another product that's there. Sorry, I was going to show you. Um, there's either Bobex for deer, which works really good for deer and voles. So if you're venturing out today and you're going to go to your garden center, either look for Bobex for an application. And the other one that works really good against rabbits and voles is called Scoot. 
Now, the scoot is a liquid base that has to be applied above zero or above three or four degrees. I think I, if I'm stand corrected on there. So you want to maybe do it when we're hitting plus five or plus seven in the next couple days. Yes, we'll take that nice weather. So let's get those tasks a little bit done. That's there. Now, the one thing that we haven't really talked about yet and venturing into the, it, yeah, I'm going to say it, it's holidays that are coming because as I said, we're setting the tone here in the garden center for a beautiful winter wonderland. We're venturing into our 20, I think it's our 28th year of, of I know, 28 years of teaching and showing people how to decorate trees and do the little design and going up and down ladders. But it's also when we start thinking about those holiday plants that we may want in our homes. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about some of the amaryllis, some of the cactus, or if you think, okay, cactus, sorry, zygo holiday cactus or zygo Christmas cactus or zygo um, if you have an Easter cactus. And you're going to say, okay, if you're not familiar... We normally call it a Christmas cactus, but there are different shapes to it. And have you, are there anyone out there, um, has your cactuses started producing bud sets? If you're there, the lines are open, 374-3315. Now, for those who don't know the difference between a Thanksgiving cactus, Christmas cactus, or Easter cactus, it all has to do with the leaf shape. The leaf shape that's on it is, okay, let's see if I get this right. Um, the Thanksgiving cactus has a nodule, a leaf set that's one laid over top of the other. But your Thanksgiving cactus that's on it is going to have a very sharp pointy tips. It's on the side edges. It's almost like that serrated uh, sawtooth look that's on it. Christmas cactus softens up a little bit more. And it does have a little bit, still a little bit of the scalloping, but it's going to be a softer tip. It's not going to be as dramatic as the Thanksgiving one. And of course, when we get into the Easter cactus, it's very soft. It looks like these soft little indents that are on there. So it does give you that different differential portion of it, is I guess what I'm saying. Now, if you had a Christmas cactus or a cactus, and sometimes they 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 flower at different times. Easter, of course, yeah, it Easter's in uh, Easter time. But your Thanksgiving and your Christmas cactus sometimes are blended in together. We sometimes get them blooming twice a year, which is a bonus because they're beautiful. But if you're thinking of trying to transition and getting your cactus to bloom if it's not already set we generally think of it in the gardening world that we need probably six weeks of short days of lighting for it to transition so it's almost like our poinsettias okay yeah i said that i think that's the first first time i've openly said poinsettia this season besides to my uh, supplier who helps me get my poinsettias growing because christmas is coming you need to transition, just like poinsettias and Christmas cactus. They need to have a little bit of a time frame where it needs to be set with either day, night, hours, hours that's in there, 
and also a little bit of a temperature drop that you see. I find that your temperature is also plays a little bit of a factor that's in there. So be cautious of it. If you're going to start thinking about your poinsettia, getting it to transition to a red tone that's on it, it's you want to make sure that you put it into a room that doesn't have any light in it for a few weeks. Or if you maybe have a nice big box that you can put over top of it and give it that dedicated darkness time, then you will find that you'll be able to pop that box off, you know, maybe at 7 o'clock at night, throw the box on it. If you're up in the morning, before you go have your cup of coffee, take the box off. And it's kind of a repeat pattern that's on it, but it is so beneficial that's on it. And we love it. I have some people that have actually, uh, one or two people have come in and said, what do I do with my Christmas cactus? I put it outside. It's big. It's beautiful. It's growing wonderfully. And one person was actually shocked that she got it to keep growing in her garden all year. So now, of course, we told her a couple weeks ago, make sure it comes in before frost because it it normally grows in... uh, Mexico in the deep south where you're having that warm warm weather that's on it so those are things are little hints that you want to do now the color tones if you're out and about looking for some cactus this year and if you're not too sure if you haven't ventured into it or if you're a new gardener they are beautiful holiday plants they come in different arrays of colors and I know that here uh, when we generally get some of ours in there's some people that are always on the hunt for specific colors, whether they're peach, pink, red, or everyone is looking for that classic looking white. Who knows? Are you on a hunt for uh holiday cactus this year? Maybe, maybe not. All right. Now, one of the other ones that I want to go through and for looking at it is the same thing with your amaryllis. We're going to go right to the lines. Kathy is next. Hi, Kathy. Oh, hi. Hi, how are you? I'm doing fine, thanks. Good. Hey, I forgot to ask Glenn where he was calling from, and I always like to know where our callers are. Where are you calling from? Rosenort. Rosenort. Well, I know where you are. Good morning, Rosenort. How can we help you? Uh, I store my gladiola, calla, and canna lilies in my garage, and um, it is quite cold in there, uh, close to the big big door it it freezes sometimes but i can store them at the other end close to the deep freeze where it doesn't doesn't uh freeze but uh they get very dry because the air there is very dry how do i uh prevent them from drying out well if you try are you putting anything around them like an insulating of uh shavings or any uh anything like that to store them in or are you just storing them by themselves uh, I, I'm I'm storing them in paper bags. Yep. And yep. I was wondering whether I should put some compost or peat moss in there. You could put a little bit of peat moss and shaving mixture that's in there. But if you find that they're and the other thing is you want to make sure that they do not freeze. They these are bulbs just like your dahlias and your annual ones that do not like to freeze at all. Yes. So you want to maybe have a little thermostat or a little thermometer there just to make sure it does not dip below to minus 5 or minus, you know, in there. But putting it in a little bit of shavings and that would help to benefit. And just keep an eye on them. Like I would probably say uh, end of uh, February if you're going out there, 
take a peek see and if you're finding that they're shrinking up a little bit maybe um put a l- slight little bit of moisture cuz cool and moist you know just a little bit but also if you have any um sulfur that's that you can throw in with them that would be beneficial so if it's too moist it helps to uh, prevent mold from happening yeah cuz i i've i've lost some the last few years because they just dried up yeah they just it, got too dry yeah, it depends on the size of the bulb too. Um, you know, uh, over the winter, it's nice to be able to have the little bit more plumper, uh, larger bulb set setter on them. Okay, and even in, I find that when we get some of our dahlia bulbs, if they're not really, really big, they get a little bit soft before they get hard. You know, if they're weakening, but I always find that the bigger ones are going to have the best survival rate. Yes. Okay, but I've I've stored them many years in in um in a place where it was damp and cold, and I had I um I had very much success. Like they they did very well. Yeah, but, but yeah. here it is so dry. So yeah, so by try putting a little bit that's in it, so it's it's almost that refrigerated, refrigerated with a little bit of moisture that's in there, but not bone dry. Okay. Yeah. But again, if you have too much moisture, we could get the other effect where we could create that moldy uh moldy atmosphere, all right? Yeah. And they also need a little bit of air, like they can't be in a plastic bag or t- No, plastic. No no plastic. No, that no plastic. <laughs> no plastic. We're on the same page. Okay, Wonderful. Well, thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye-bye. You know, it's it is that it's we're starting to think about uh, already gardening next year and caring for our bulbs and looking after the seeds, and those those when you go to your garden center if it's open year round, just imagine that pretty soon I know uh, mid December or the beginning of December, uh, our fingers start twing uh, twitching twitching a little bit because we know that some of the seeds are coming and they're you know here's a little bit. Um, maybe venture in December to see what the new seed selections are be because they make great little stocking stuffers and a gift for different friends. Find something unusual and tuck it or give it a gift. We're going to go right back to lines. Martha is next. Good, mar- uh, good morning, Martha. Hi. Good morning. Hi. Where are you calling from? Um, Enola. Oh, hello. And good morning to everyone in Enola. Uh-huh. How can we help you this morning, Martha? Um, I was changing the subject from Christmas. Off, um, I would like to know how to prevent the spider plant from getting the brown leaves, the brown oh. tipped leaves. Yeah. Um, when you're getting the brown tipped leaves, sometimes that could be indicative of low humidity. Oh. Okay. So if you're um, in houses in the wintertime, we have a tendency to be a little bit more dry. So if you can do frequent misting of the plant that's on there. So if you have a little atomizer that you can do a little bit of a misting around the areas and on the branchings of it as well. But the other thing too is when do you see the browning? All the time or just at a specific time period or Most season? of the time. Most of the time? Okay. Yeah. So it could also be um, low. Or, so are the leaves green and then it's just the brown tipping or do the leaves go yellow and then the brown tipping? It's mostly the, the tipping. Just the tipping. Okay, so if the leaves are not going green and it's just brown on the tip, I think it's humidity, not enough humidity, maybe a little bit too dry. Mm-hmm. If your leaves 
if you told me that they were more yellow and then went to brown, I would probably say maybe a tendency to be a little bit overwatered. But uh, I'm suspecting it may be low humidity. Okay, I will try the mist thing then. Yeah, try just giving a little mist or even, uh, I, if you've listened to me before, spider plants love having a little bit of a shower. And then once you shower, then you're increasing the, the moisture on the foliage and not just in the soil. So every now and then if you're misting or if you cover the soil, uh, if you can take it to the sink with the little shower head that's over top of it, give a little wash off and it will love it. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah, okay, thank you. You're very welcome, yeah. Martha. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. So these are things that we have to remember too, like as we start closing our doors and we start our furnaces, and these plants are, they're called tropical. Tropical plants usually live in uh, humid areas where the humidity is a lot higher. It doesn't mean that the soil is constantly wet. The humidity is high. And we see this sometimes too with plants that don't really grow in soil, but like that high humidity. Uh, Think of an orchid. An orchid belongs in the epiphyte family, which those fleshy roots that usually emerge and nestle Uh, outwards on top of the moss or bark that it's in, they don't have to go in the soil. They attach themselves to the trees naturally under the canopy, and they love that humid area. If you've ever had a chance to go through Florida and look at a lot of their uh, trees and shrubs, wow, they grow so fast because they have a little of that high humidity that's on there. Not a lot of rain all the time. But when they do get it, they get the rainy season, which helps. But when they do go dry, they also have that little bit of humid factor. Let's go right to the lines. There's Tina's waiting. Good morning, Tina. Good morning. morning. Hi, good morning. Where are you calling from? Oh, I'm calling from Winnipeg. Oh, well, good morning, uh, fellow Winnipegger. How are you? Yes, yes, I'm phoning in because this gentleman mentioned about talking about uh, choke cherry seeds. Yes. Yes, I many, maybe 30 years, maybe more than that, I don't remember. We went to Manhattan Beach, Lake Nanat, and we camped, uh, camped there for a weekend. Anyways, and we walked around, and there were choke cherry trees, and we picked about a couple of tails of choke cherries, and, and uh, ate them, I guess, it was almost any August, whenever they were ripe, and dumped them in my, uh, quite a few, some sort of, I mean, Choked it, uh, seeds into the, my flower bed, so in front, bed in the front yard, you know, in my yep. flower bed, and they grew. I had very, very tall trees. They were higher than the roof. We sat, we sat one year top of the roof, and me and husband and picked choke cherries. So just they were so tall and so close to the roof, so we just bent them over and we picked choke cherries. Yeah, <laughs> and I still have choke cherry trees from those seeds. They're coming up here and there on the lawn, on the garden. Uh, yeah, the, the, the seeds fall here and there. The yeah, choke well, cherries, and yeah. yeah. So I have now three uh, plants. They just I spaced them out, so I have three of them, and now so I kind of close together. Maybe should have a little spaced out more than I did. But anyways, no. I here and there some young ones come up, and no, just, I just dumped them. That's how I got my choke cherries, and I still have those same kind of choke cherry trees. Yeah, well, that's what, and you know, I remember mom, uh, mom and dad, uh, choke cherry, we used to go uh, berry picking. It was one of the things that we used to do in the choke cherry. It's very funny cracking. I don't know. I can't. Oh. 
You can Some, hear it? Something in the line. Some of this doesn't fit. It's not very good. So. Oh, okay. Well, the choke cherry. And do you make jam, choke cherry jelly? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can do that all. And oh, it's... Freezing. Yeah, and I love... Them freezing, put them in a deep freezing. And I sometimes had to uh, put them a little bit in the microwave with a bowl and warm them up. And then they put uh, vanilla yogurt in there. So it's a nice, nice dessert. <laughs> oh, it sounds delicious. I remember my mom and dad making choked, uh, choke cherry jelly all the time. But uh-huh. it was delicious. And we have to think of the nature. It just tells you that um, a lot of seeds and weed seeds, like... Think of the birds. The birds are eating a lot of these seeds. And yeah. uh, one, some of the times we get some people that come into the garden center and they say, how did I get this? I did not plant this, but this is growing in my backyard. Well, uh-huh. wind wind will blow wind seeds. Yes. And we have to think of all those um, critters or those aviary birds above us that they're, they're eating things and they're also dropping things in certain locations mm-hmm. that will allow a seed to grow. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So, no, I, I don't know if it's maybe now three years, so, but they were blooming very nicely this spring, but I say, oh, no, I'm not going to get much. So, But I had a t- three small plants and it's quite young yet. So, And I had eight cups of choke cherry. It was very surprised that they got that much yet. So, Wow, eight cups, that's great. Yeah, that is really I was really good. surprised. They're still young trees. I mean, it's just a uh, second year now, I think they're blooming, so... Well, you know what? Nature just gives us what we um, what we can find, and if we can make something something delicious out of it, yeah, I think yeah. it's I think it's a win win. Yeah, even my my choke cherry, they came up by the neighbor's house, very close to the the yard. So even I saw in their yard on their flower bed some choke cherry trees growing, and they cut them down. So I guess. Oh. <laughs> yeah, even on my lawn too. Oh yeah, there's lots of lots of choke cherries can come up here and there, trees, little yeah. trees. So. Yeah, well, that's just, good. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Yeah, okay, then, this show the best. Oh, yeah, one thing. Can you use the pine needles? Can you put them in a the flower bed or a garden? There's yeah, you so can. If pine needles this year. Yeah, if you have pine needles, uh, you can put them into your garden. Just watch the content because pine needles will adjust the acidity or the acidic content of your soil. Yeah. But if it's if your garden isn't uh, close to evergreens already, you can add them into your garden because our soils naturally in Winnipeg are very alkaline, and we're always trying to amend it because a lot of plants like to have slightly acidic soil. So if you are not if your a garden isn't already near some cedars and evergreens already, you can add a little bit in there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much. You're very welcome, and thank you for calling in, Tina. Okay, thank you. Okay, bye-bye. all right, bye-bye. There are so many different things that it's in there. Um, it's wonderful to be able to do that. And just to let you guys know, oh, I just wanted to mention to you, uh, we're getting close to it, and I know that uh, conversation is going to be going to uh, Christmas and holiday. I am going to give you a little bit of shout-out out of of uh, event. We do two charity drives here at the Garden Center, and... Uh, they're photo sessions, and we donate the monies from the photos uh, sessions to local children's charities that are on it. So if you're in the mood to bring the kids out, we have two sessions of photos. You can either have a photo with Santa and Mrs. Claus, or we even have a session, which is a little bit funner for the kids to do. You can set up a time to have a photo with the big green guy who stole Christmas. So if you're in our neck of woods and you want to have some family fun and help to support our local children's charities, 
is something that you can help us out with. All right? Well, everyone, there is one flower that stands out this week that I think we should all be aware of. It is the poppy. Please listen. In the years of the war, brave men left to fight for their lives of others, for the human right. They left their families and marched through the door to act for their country to be in the war. They fought for then, and they fought for us now. Most of them died. Thought it's a wonder how, because they all did it for the benefit of our country today. So, on November 11th, our remembrance we pay. Thank you for listening, everyone. We'll be back for the last Lawn and Garden Show next week. Bye-bye, everyone.